Welcome to Fans of the Forge. I'm Chris. To my right, we have... Teresa. To my left, we have... Sean. And this episode is a wrap-up for Master of Arms, Season 1, Episode 6, The Elgin Pistol. First up, we had Mike Lee, who specialized in pre-Civil War muzzle-loading firearms. He's a full-time gunsmith and custom engraver. Our second smith was Ted Thompson. He was a steampunk-inspired blacksmith and tattoo artist with 25 years of experience. And third, we had Michael Morris, who's a former parts fabricator for the International Space Station. That's pretty badass. And he's been a professional full-time knife maker for nine years. And he's been making six to eight knives a week, over 4,000 knives in 26 countries on six continents. And so we were discussing this. Which one's missing? Is it Antarctica? It seems That's like that's probably the most one. likely But one. you could have a person. There are people there. Well, there are people have there. Names. And he obviously knows people if he was doing stuff for the International Space Station. Mm. Like, so, so I'm going to guess that the missing one isn't Antarctica. Okay, so where else would it be? I don't know. Australia. Could be. That's, oh man, come on. I could see someone <laughs> definitely having a knife in Australia from this guy. Yeah, no, it's definitely you think not South right. America. No, you any know. of them are equally possible. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> I'm gonna stick with Antarctica. I want to know. I want to know what what the other continent is that that's missing. Here. Michael Morris, if you somehow come across this video, please find us on Facebook yeah, or Instagram in. and tell us what continent have you not made a knife on. Thank or you. send a knife there and tell us that you've gotten them. Yeah, everywhere. right. Just just send something <laughs> randomly. For our quick draw challenge, the Smiths have five hours to make a Bowie knife. This was an early 19th century American weapon used by frontiersmen and mountain men alike. It was made famous by the legendary frontiersman fighter and all-around badass Jim Bowie. It still lives on today in the designs of modern military and hunting knives. So the parameters that they had to make these knives to was it had to have a blade in a clip point style between 9 inches and 12 inches and will need a guard of some sort and also a partial tang. Pretty standard. It's a a Bowie knife. It's pretty standard design. (laughs) Mike started by using 5160 spring steel and he cut a partial shape out of it. And he used a file to make the tang square. So I think when we were watching this, I made a point to say, that's one thing you never see them do on Forge and Fire is cut the shape out of the knife. Like, he forged it afterwards, but he made the profile of the knife by cutting it out on the jigsaw mm-hmm. or yeah, the bandsaw or whatever. <clears throat> and right. and then, then forged down the edge to make it thinner. But he had already made the profile to shape. And I mean, he still forged, right? And, and it worked. I guess the, it's not as strict as Forge and Fire. Hey, yeah, but it was just interesting. You don't I don't no normally see that stock removal, really. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, we move on to Ted. He started with a three eighths inch fifty one thirty, and wanted to get down to about a third of an inch. So yeah, he specified that. That's not a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, 
Why even say that? I, my, I, I don't my know. <laughs> when, when you think about the decils, it's like 0.375 versus 0.333. Yeah, it's like very little. Anyway, his blade took on more of a Persian design than the traditional Bowie style. And his epoxy started to harden before he could get a second scale on. And it, they made a point to show him that, oh, this is not good. Yeah, oh, this it was... is not how you do this. And he's scraping off chunks. And... Yeah. But... He still ended up using it. Like, he just, Vinci's like, I gotta use this. And he just shoves it back on. (laughs) Yeah. They're really showing him putting more on, really. No. He had to have put more on because he scraped so much of the already dry. It was, yeah, it was chunky. And then Michael, he usually only does stock removal. And so he started out in the press to thin out his steel. He was pretty happy with his shape. And uh, he was the first to heat treat, but he had a really bad crack during that heat treat. And yeah. He heat treated, and Trent and Ty happened to be down visiting, and he's like, hey, man, I, I cracked my knife. And Trent's like, ooh, that doesn't look so good. <laughs> and he had to start over with only three hours left, which, not impossible. We've no. seen Forge and Fire guys that have done better with less time. I mean, he's got to do the handle, too. Yeah, he still has to do the handle. It was, what, five hours initially? Yeah. It's tight. But like you had mentioned when we were watching it, he had made the first knife within two hours. So if he could redo that, make the first blade, a second blade within another two hours, that would leave him an hour to slap a handle on there that works, which I feel like should be plenty of time for him to be able to figure something out and get it on when he needs to do it. And we move on to testing. So testing was edge retention hacking through a wood log, durability in stabbing an ice block, um, damage to the targets, and overall integrity of the weapon under pressure. So for Ted, the handle is still solid. No rolls or chips. That's an awkward handle angle. Um, Trenton likes the look and uniqueness of the knife, but it is not a classic buoy. And Z commented on the angle of the handle. Mike, the blade did not roll, kept its edge. Trenton said classic American buoy, but had a pinhole that was off center. Zeke said that he almost cut the ice in half. In half. <laughs> it was a little too light for a buoy. That's a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> and Ashley liked that it was effective and still lightweight. Uh, Michael, the edge held, there's no rolls. Zeke notes the thin handle but likes the balance and weight. And Ashley says it's the most simple looking and the most historically accurate. Um, so I have a note down here. If you've watched our Zeke interview, he told us about deliberating for four hours. Yeah. This was the episode yeah. where everything, like they were all so good and was so close that they spent a super long time to nitpick over things. And Ted ended up getting the boot. And I even kind of forgot why. Was it because of the, um, it wasn't a classic buoy? Yeah, that was the main part. It wasn't, the other two were pretty standard buoys, and his had that weird extra little shape to it. And that's that was why he got boot. All right, so moving on to the Master Build Challenge. Mike and Michael, again. Different so mics. Different mics. Are given four days to make an Elgin Cutlass pistol. So the background is that it's from the 1830s. Is the first percussion cap handgun and only knife pistol officially used by the U.S. military. 
only 150 Elgin pistols were produced. Yeah, that was a pretty cool story, yeah. actually, that they were there was an order for 150 of these things placed because they were going to be going out into the jungle, and they wanted to be able to hack through things and, and be ready for battle in case yeah. it was only a single shot. Right. So it was a, it was a very cool weapon. It was a for what it is, it had to be more knife than pistol when you think about it because of it only being one shot. But as long as the pistol functioned, it did its job. Right. So it, was, it was it was a cool, interesting design. But obviously, if only 150 of these things were ever ordered, maybe there was some story about what happened with those 150. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that they didn't order anymore. So who knows? Yeah. So the parameters, the barrel um, is no can be no less than six inches in length. They are required to have both trigger and knuckle guards, a, for, a functioning percussion lock trigger mechanism, and they have to attach the buoy they made in the first round to the barrel. So they have to take their hand, their knives apart, basically. Yeah. After they glue them and pin them and everything, then they can rip all that out so they can attach the uh, the knife to their their guns. So, Mike, um, day one, plan to get all the mechanics together. He works out a clamping system to attach the blade to the barrel. On day two, working on the gun stock um, out of black maple, uses a drill to aid in clearing out a space for the barrel. On day three, cuts a dovetail in the stock to keep the barrel in place, um, does his inletting for the lock plate, and thinks he will be able to have everything assembled and functioning that day. On day four, it's fit and finish, attaching the blade and the guards, stains the stock with a walnut finish. Michael, day one, takes time to create and draw out a design, cuts a six-inch barrel to get an idea of the size of the weapon, um, plans on wielding the, welding the blade to the barrel. Um, day two, works on the gun stock, chisels out where the barrel will go. Day three, the goal is to have the trigger mounted and start making the finger guard and trigger guard using a metal band to keep the barrel attached to the stock. Day four, needs to attach a blade to the barrel and weld the trigger guard to the finger guard. Use linseed oil on the stock to make it look nice. So different approaches for how to keep everything together. Um, I thought Mike did a kind of a cool thing with the dovetail and he had his tab and he had a pin to hold the you know, the knife there and a barrel yeah. in place. Um, uh, so Michael welded the, the two pieces, the two guards together. What was it Mike that made one piece that he folded for the guards and then attached to the knife? Or, yeah, I think, I think he did, so, right? Yeah. So he, yeah. he, he did the, he started out looking like a spoon and then he bent the, bent right. the spoon and then he bent it again to give it that shape needed for the guards. It was it was a cool forging yeah. for what that was. Two different approaches. Pretty mm -hmm. cool. So for testing, we have Nick Irving, the special ops badass, will test all the weapons. Um, so there's a three-part test this time. First part is the close range accuracy and velocity firing through three cow hearts. Um, will it stay on course through all three or veer off? Those cow hearts looked really nasty, man. Like, they just look gross. They're huge. I mean, it's one thing to have hanging meat there, but those giant hearts, they just have another level of gore to them. Yeah. It just makes them look so gross. But yeah. I think that's kind of on purpose, though, because they're so, like, there's so much to them. 
it could hit a particular part of the muscle of the heart and, and make or it hit go a different off. heart chamber. Or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the second test, they're testing the ability to hack through thick jungle vines, slash through rope to release a final target. And then the third part of the test, Nick will attack that target using the blade as a fighting knife to inflict damage with a series of stabs and slashes. So for Michael, the first test made it through all three hearts. Second test cut the rope in one swing. The third test, one good strike, three stabs, and cut through skin flawlessly. Mm-hmm. For Mike, first test made it through all three hearts. Second test cut the rope in two swings. And then for the third test, was able to stab through the pig, but the blade broke off when attempting a slash. Ooh. Yeah. And so due to the catastrophic fail on the third test, um, no need to deliberate. Michael, you're going home with $10,000 in the title of Master of Arms. It's always a shame when they break like that. It's <laughs> always so a shame when they break like that. <laughs> but anyway, congratulations, Michael, on your win. Um, this was a fun one. I thought it was a cool weapon. I liked the testing. Everything about it was, was cool. Yeah, it sucked for Mike. I like the way that he attached it. You know, he, if it performed well, I don't know that Michael would have won if they were equal. Just because the way Michael welded things on, that's not historically accurate, I would say. Oh, yeah. So it might have been edge to Mike, but unfortunately. But that, that, that means of attaching it probably was what did him in, right? That, so even though it wasn't necessarily accurate, it wasn't done properly enough to be able to hold it in place for that type of right the way mike did it was accurate historically accurate but was its downfall yeah i'd say it just it was a small hole a small little tab on there that was going to hold it all together and you know it's not a surprise that it broke there right but that was the episode they showed a preview for next week's episode which referenced something that Zeke mentioned to us when we interviewed him mm. about one of the, oh, the yeah. most scarier incidents on the show. They showed it right in the commercial. I think my, was it at the very end of the show? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I th- my DVR cuts off. I have to, oh. I have to tell it to Then, oh boy, watch. you're really in for it because I'm not going to tell you what happened. But it was, it, okay. you, you see it and it's like, oh shit. Damn. Like, it looks you like, say that now. At the time, Chris is like, they're blowing the big like twist. Oh, I was pissed. <laughs> I was really pissed that they were saying, showing exactly what happened there. But anyway, we'll cover that when that one comes out tomorrow night. Because yep. we're about a week behind. Whatever. Nobody else cares. Thank you for watching. <laughs> and remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. Subscribe to those videos. Like the videos. Yeah, comment on the videos. Check out our podcast. We're out there. Leave a comment. Give us a five-star rating. Check us out. And watch Master of Arms because we yeah. think it's a cool show. And all of the other shows we cover. Watch those ones too for, for that matter. Tell your friends. Yes. Thanks for watching. See ya. Bye. Zeke said that he almost cut the ice in half. In half. <laughs> it was a little too light for a buoy. That's a penalty. <laughs> <laughs>